let's uh, <laughs> let's introduce today's topic. Probably no surprise. We're going to talk about customer experience in the contact center. That's right. CX. 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 So a topic that we talked about a lot is the customer, um, obviously the customer experience in the contact center and this shift from the old the old world view of it being a value center, sorry, a cost center to it being a value center. It's something that is always very interesting to me, this, this shift. Um, I wouldn't mind chatting a little bit about how much of it is a mindset shift as much as, as it is an organizational change and a, you know, a more tangible change in, you know, things like data and the way you think about designing customer experiences and those kind of things. And yeah, maybe, maybe wouldn't mind starting it around the mindset that's shift that's required. Uh, maybe even before mindset, I feel that there's even a definition required, Sean, for people as in like, because CX gets bandied around a lot. And even like, I know when I was getting, you know, I, I'm really in the weeds when it comes to contact center space. And so are you, right? And then at the same time, the CX movement was coming through um, or customer experience movement was coming through. And it was like, but but we're the contact center. Doesn't, aren't we customer experience? And so maybe it might be worth actually just going, well, maybe giving that historical definition, kind of a definition, or at least the understanding of what CX really is, or at least how it's discussed in the industry and then how it ties into the need for a shift in mindset. Because I, I mean, mm. they're probably very much interrelated. Yeah. Oh, look, I'll, I'll give my what I think it is. Okay, I think, and I'll I give think mine you could, too. <laughs> yeah, because I think you could ask, I think everyone could have a slightly different view of it. Um, okay, so from, the, and, and I suppose this is couched in the perspective that I have, that I've always worked in contact center and operations teams. So, um, so I suppose when I think of customer experience, um, I think of it as the, it, it's, it's what your customers feel and think when they interact with your your products, your services, your organization, your people within your organization, whenever they, whenever they interact with or think about your organization, I think that is, that is what I, what I think customer experience is in its kind of purest sense for me. Um, and I think that maybe where probably where my mindset has had to change over the years is where, where the responsibility maybe sits for for that experience and i think it i think it sits with every single person in the organization whether you're doesn't really matter where where you are it might be a little bit more abstract for some if you're sitting in finance or hr but i think everyone still has a role to play in the customer experience but i think where where the, the drum that we're trying to beat and and the path that we're trying to light up for people is probably the role the contact center has in the customer experience in delivering on that customer experience but also the the role they have in elevating the voice of the customer, uh, because they 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 interact with customers at those moments of truth where typically things have gone wrong, um, and they play a they're like human glue to hold to hold together a lot of the products and 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 you know systemic things and processes that customers rely on to get. The experience that they get um and so 
I think the yeah the, the thing that I'm most excited in talking about and trying to advance is this concept of the the, the customer the, the contact center as as a as a really critical hub for customer experience because of the role they can play in shining a light on the areas where the organization most needs to focus to improve that that feeling and the way customers think about their processes and products. I, I just want to let the audience know and everyone listening and for those um, on listening now, you're, you'll hear this in the intro, but we're, we're talking, we're on Clubhouse as well live. So I'll be talking to both audiences here, the people who listen to the pod afterwards. Um, Sean and I haven't actually spoken about this, um, but I'm actually glad that like the way you described it there, Sean, we're like, we're very much aligned. So that's, that, thank goodness for that. So we've taken a gamble. We've come out here. <laughs> we've just, we just put ourselves out here and gone, you know what, let's just, let's just discuss this topic. I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page. Um, the thing that comes to mind and might be worthwhile for anyone listening to this as well is probably the historical context of why CX, why there is a CX movement that's grown. And, and to me, I think there's two things that, that's happened, both interrelated. Um, one is this movement towards, um, well, movement from tech companies, you know, as tech giants have, have grown in uh, their influence and success. Um, more and more organizations have realized that the way that they viewed value to users have had to change from, you know, the, the, the typical model of quality, cost, and, um, and delivery has actually moved to customer user value. And because of that rise, there's been this movement of needing to actually look at the whole customer experience because gone are the days where, where customers only ever interact with just your core center staff. It's actually interacting with every part of your, your um, anything that you can interface with a customer, mm. that's all part of customer experience. So hence this need to almost, this need to re-look re at how organizations do customer experience because in the old days it'd be, well, we're doing great customer experience if we're answering our phone calls within 20 seconds mm. or whatever it is, you know, 80% or whatnot. Um, so I think that's one, that's, I think the, the, one of the main reasons and probably tied to that is, um, is the rise of human centered design. I think as human centered design has grown as well in popularity related to the tech giants, um, there has been this really hyper, um, well, there's truth, well, not hyper, but it's more of awareness and understanding and also probably a conviction from a lot of larger organizations that they really need to take a user-centric customer human human-centered approach to their products that they produce um, how they interact with with their marketing um, how they talk to their customers you know the whole whole entire gamut and 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 that has obviously influenced this rise for customer experience because they're just so tied together with, you know, human centered design and you know, or design thinking is all about the user, all about how can you build solutions with the user at the, at, at the center of it. So they're both kind of tied concepts. And I think seeing those two kind of converge together um, and with more organizations wanting to obviously become better organizations, especially in light of COVID. Um, and also related is the customer demand. Like the fact that customers now have so much choice, so much option, options with everything that they can do. Um, every experience that they have influences 
the experience from anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're in the same industry or not. You're being compared to Uber. You're being compared to Domino's Pizza. You're being compared to, you know, um, uh, like w- whichever organization is doing great customer experience, you're being compared to them. You're not being compared to your other life insurance company or your other financial services company anymore. Um, it, it's like, if I can do this so easily on Uber, why can't I get my account details shifted over on from my bank? Like that gone are the days where, where you would, you would compare, um, you know, people by, by industry. So I, so I think there is, I think those are the reasons why, now there's a need for customer experience. Oh, and I've dropped off on Clubhouse. I've lost Arnie there. We've we've lost me on Clubhouse, but I'm back on Clubhouse. He's back. He's back. All right. <laughs> how, how how far have I been going? <laughs> no, you were you were talking about the um, yeah uh, customers aren't just comparing you to the. The standards that you set, you're, they're, they're comparing you to the, all their interactions they're having with all their other, um, uh, you know, customer experiences in the marketplace, like you know, Uber and and whoever else it might be. Mm. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I think that's the historical reason why mm. CX has has grown. But um, I guess here we're here today to talk to unpack that really of yeah. defining it. And so now we've talked a little bit about the historical context. I guess, I guess the question for everyone is so what? And I think you were sort of moving to that, like so mm. what? Yeah. So what if if there's this rise of, of customer experience and the contact center? What does that all mean for us? Mm. I, I think I'd, I would add to just to some other historical context too that historically contact centers have always been fairly un, uncomplicated maybe one or two channels. And so the level of sophistication hasn't needed to be high. And so the organization, I think, has had a pretty binary view of the contact center, almost like a hygiene factor. Just answer the calls, get the calls answered, you know, deal deal with the ones you can, push off the ones that you can't. But now to your point with technology and the expectations rising, customers now want to be able to interact any time of the day on any channel of their choosing, um, and you know, and and the sophistication and and competition of products as well has also meant that they've become, um, I, I suppose, in that sophistication, there's more things that can go wrong. So they become far more um, complex by nature. And so now you've got con- contact centers that are running 24 by seven. Maybe they've got an outsourced partner that's helping them as well. They're doing chat. They're doing email. They're doing voice. They've got. Um, you know, maybe there's, they've even got some oversight of what's going on on the website and, you know, social media, community management or, co- you know, contact through social media. So you've got all of this one customer maybe wanting to interact with your organisation multiple times across different channels. And there's an expectation that you just make that easy. Um, and so I think that is probably also where, Arnie, to your point around this, 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 this kind of rise of customer experience has become so much more important for the contact center because it's become far more complex for them to manage. And so it's not just about bums on seats, answer the call quickly, don't, don't mess it up. Um, it's the level of sophistication and attention that's being needed to pay to that experience that the customer is getting is just become, yeah, it's gone through the roof. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point there. Um, that you make about the the complexity now that contact centers face. Um, 
and and therefore the role the contact center plays as well in in customer experience or CX. Um, like the lines are so blurred is what what comes to mind with this like you know as there's more and more complexity as there's more and more ability for the rest of the for the organization to be so close to the customer now through technology right like you like all the products that you create means that you're interfacing with the customer so the person that's coding that web page or creating whatever it is they're so close now or, or, or to, to that customer. So it's like, how do you, um, how do you navigate that as an organization? You know, you have your contact centers who they, you know, their job is to get in contact with customers. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've got all these different channels to do it, but now you have other people who are even closer, you know, got, you're not so removed up on a ivory tower anymore as an yeah. organization. Um, so how does, how did, how do you see that navigating? Um, I'd love mm. to yeah, get your yeah. thoughts and well, rip the, off that. Yeah. I think the organizations that do it best, you, you, they, are, they are in the market and known for, and have got a really clear vision around what they're, what they're, what they stand for. Like they've got a really strong purpose. Everybody, everyone's really clear on what their purpose is, that their, their vision of what the customer experience should look like is super clear. And so I think it starts there. And there has that has to be coherent in the organization. That can't be there can't be conflicts with that. So it's important to have a really clear vision, but that to filter down through across every team, every department needs to know how they are in service of that customer service vision. And especially your contact center teams that are at that touch point where those moments of truth where things often go wrong, they also need to know the role, how their roles tie into that vision. So I, I think it has to start there. Um, it's, it's more, obviously a lot more than that, but I, I think that's the critical place for it to start. It was interesting, like when, when I was, I'm thinking about um, like my, my previous experience working in the contact center and, and how we, we were transforming our space into a real kind of that value center, that customer hub, you know, that place where, if the organization wanted to know what was happening and what, what was, what the customer was upset about, um, we, we were sort of creating that. And I remember we got to a point where our technology teams, you know, our digital teams would come to us, you know, even before they roll anything out and, and engage with us um, to really be able to deliver on that customer experience. Um, and not just customer experience. It was also like, how do you deliver a better user experience for the, the, the contact center staff? Um, and it was really fascinating, like how we did that. And that's probably what listeners would, would be interested in, perhaps if you're in a, a team that might be a bit more traditional or contact center that's more traditional, was, was that we would, we, we really simply, I think, put out information on how many calls we were getting for really dumb reasons, mm. you know, and, and so I think for any contact center leaders in traditional organizations, like you, you can really take advantage of this movement of CX that we're seeing, right? Because that's what people are thinking. Like organizations are now hiring CX executives um, in their spaces. So take advantage of that. And often they're not, they're not thinking so much 
about perhaps where the contact center intersects with this, but really they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so like I said, really simple. We just, we put visual boards up. We wrote, here's, you know, we had simple things like customers calling just for our email address. Like it was, it was just really simple things like that. I mean, obviously we needed some work to, to ask our people and to get some data and, and maybe we'll start talking about some of the tools that are out there to, to, to give us that intelligence um, from what, what's, what, what contact centers are, are talking about. But, um, but yeah, just getting information out there and you, <laughs> Sean's cat is getting, <laughs> getting very excited about this. Like I am, <laughs> but, but, but I re- like, it was, it was really, it is really exciting. Like mm. when you, when you start doing this and I, yeah, I, I'm really passionate about this because yeah. I saw the, the, just the change or transformation it made once we got out of our own bubble and started getting out there and actually showing people why our customers are calling. I think yeah. there's sometimes shame that contact centers have with their calls. They go, oh, we don't really want to show what's happening because we're afraid that people will know that maybe we're making mistakes and handling really tough calls. We shouldn't be shielding that. Like 80%, 90% of the, the failure demand calls from our customers or uh, are really as a result of the organization due to, like you were talking about before, like the complexity that we're seeing in, um, in our organizations today. Yeah. So much can go wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's not the contact center. They're just there to talk about it and try to solve it. But it's because of the whole organization. Yeah. I feel like I'm moving into a rant. So. I <laughs> know. Oh, I love your rant, Sonny. That's okay. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind summarizing what I heard you say because I think it would be helpful um, to kind of capture these key points because it's almost like if you wanted to try and do this, like what are the, what are the points you want to hit on? So we, we started with the vision, having a really clear vision and, and people knowing, because I think that goes to what you were saying. What's going to drive you in the contact centre to do the things you just spoke about? Well, one is that you understand your role in driving the customer service vision. So I think that's the first point. The second thing that you said was around reflecting back to the organisation what is happening for customers. And I think you've got to, yeah, you really have to be brave to do that because it does uncover some of the things that might be going wrong in your own backyard. But like you said, that is you, you also have to be brave enough to say that that's not necessarily always being caused by your your teams. You need to, you know, ask the rest of the organisation to take some accountability for that. And I think that goes to the next point, which maybe I'm summarising it slightly different to what you said, but you almost have to think, even if your organisation isn't, isn't set up like this, you almost have to think as though you're working in a matrix kind of organization, one that has no 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 silos, no 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 boundaries. Because as a as a leader in the contact center, you've got to be a good connector. You've got to be able to go out there, find the people in CX, find the people in IT, find the people running projects, whoever they might be, and and reflect back to them what's going on for your customers and and for your people. So I think that maybe ties into the point I was making at the start around the mindset. You really have to not think that you're, you're working in a silo when you're in a contact center. You are, you've got to be a great connector across your organization to make sure you've got getting the right people to hear these, these customer stories. And then I think an extension of that then is you can then play a role in driving the design of new processes the, the strategy, getting a seat at the table in those project meetings when they're just starting to talk about what this new product could be uh, or even if it's in, you know, way, way further down the track when it's talking about, you know, um, things that have gone wrong. They want to come to you. They want you to be in those meetings because they know that you're going to be a good source of, of, of the, the voice of the customer. So 
Yeah, so I think we've hit on some really good stuff so far. The vision, reflecting back what's happening, you know, think like you work in a matrix organization and then driving that design and strategy. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to go to too many different uh, <laughs> tangents, but something I did want to talk about, though, was was that point around, I, I always, I do get a sense in that CX space that a lot of it is about creating these new experiences or redesigning a current experience. Um, and, and I think it's all good, right? Like it's, it's about preventi- preventing issues from occurring um, in the first place. But I almost feel at times maybe in that CX space that there's a bit too much emphasis on maybe that the sexy part of, of CX, right? Which is about, you know, how do you create these beautiful customer journeys and you do all this upfront work to try to create this. And then inevitably it doesn't, there's always going to be issues that come out of it. What I'd love to see in the CX space, um, and maybe there is some stuff out there. So, you know, if you're listening to this, um, let us know. Like, let us know. If there's any CX, Actually, I want to say as well, Sean, if there's any CX experts who are interested in the whole um, contact center space or, or, or has some intersection, if you're listening to this, we'd love to have you on the pod. So I'm, I'm doing a call out for any, <laughs> any potential guests. Um, yeah. But, but I, I think there's almost this need for how does that system work together? Like, how does mm-hmm. the, how do you, like to, to your point there, right? How does, how do we make it easier for our contact center teams to actually reflect back these issues in the customer journey and have a, have a system where the organization can keep adapting and evolving their customer journeys so that you're not having to bring in another CX organization to redesign a whole thing and do all this upfront work again like if you think about tech companies, right? The best tech companies, the best organizations, they're not hiring CX people to come in to do that. They just have a system where an issue arises, they have a way of resolving it as soon as possible, as quick as possible, in the, in the, in the simplest way possible to learn from it and to keep evolving and adapting. Mm. There's no perfect. Mm. We think we need to get rid of that. There's only constant progression. Yeah, um, yeah. And they listen to their, their, their customers, their users. That's their CX team. That's, that's, they just listen exactly. and then they respond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something in that you've talked about it a couple of times and I know you like to talk about understanding who your users are and identifying who they are and what their needs are. I think that's, that's critical in this and, and knowing, I think understanding whatever, whatever the, the experience or the service design that's being created, inevitably there will be, they're not going to be perfect um, and sometimes they're designed not to be perfect because you have constraints like, um, you know, budgets. You can't always design the gold-plated service experience every single time. And so I think when you work in operations, you just, you need to understand that that's going to happen, but you need to make a conscious, you, you need to be able to inform the best way to, uh, not necessarily overcome, but the best the best way to, to design when, you're, when your team needs to become that human glue as I referred to earlier that is that is part of the role of ops um it's, it's just no getting away from that um so i think it's important that as a as a leader you you've got a you, you're really tuned into what the needs of all the users are so that you understand the impacts of when yeah when processes can't be designed optimally what is that actually going to mean so that you can you can set up your operation to be able to deal with it 
on that point there, actually, Sean, um, something that came to mind and something that I've been grappling and thinking about a lot is the role of leaders um, going forward as we, well, right now even, right? That the role of the leaders, I think we, we moved from their managers and supervisors. I think that, you know, obviously in the industrial age, it was all about the manager telling people what to do. That's how leaders were viewed, waiting for them to tell you what to do. Then probably in the last decade or so, there's been almost this, movement towards leaders are coaches you know they're mm-hmm. there to develop their people to grow their people and i think there's definitely definitely merit to that what i've been seeing or reading or hearing about is the need for leaders to actually be designers and and and, and so and i think this intersects really well with what we're talking about here um in that the role of the leader isn't just to coach and to direct actually maybe there is a bit of coaching still, but perhaps taking away from that direction and moving to self-organizing teams to free up time for our leaders to actually, and I'm talking about in the contact center space, but this could be relevant beyond that. Well, it is definitely relevant beyond that, but I'll just talk about contact centers, that the need, that there's a need for leaders to be designers in how that system works. How do you get the voice of the customer closer and closer? It shouldn't just be a, a side activity. That, that leaders do or some leaders do. Actually, there's a real need for leaders to really think about their contact centers in the way. And so what do we need to untangle for that? You know, what do we need to remove from our legacy way of running contact centers to do that? Well, I think it's, it's things like taking away archaic targets like grade of service, you know, taking away command and control um, KPIs on, on people of answering times or, toilet breaks or you know these kind of things or um you know it's it's taking away perhaps even trying to script how people are talking to to customers it's not there's been a rise obviously that emotional connection i feel that that would that happened a lot in the in the perhaps that the late 2000s around you know people having emotional connections i think that that's kind of expected now um and you know there are AI technologies that deliver that. So I think there are a few things we need to untangle, right? But there's also the need for our mindsets to shift in terms of what is the role of the leader now. And I think the, the role of the leader, like I said before, is very much about how a designer, leaders as designers who design the contact center and how it intersects or how it connects in you know, creating feedback loops with the rest of the organization. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, like, where, where do you start if you're a leader? Like, do you start with changing the way you think about your role and you become your designer? So you're understanding the, the system of work that you talk about to try and untangle stuff. And then I thought, is that what, what causes leaders from not being thinking like that already? And and I just, I just think about all of my time running contact centers, you're, you spend a lot of time firefighting. So it's, <laughs> it's often the, because of the poorly designed processes or, or not so well thought out ways of designing experiences for customers that actually causes leaders to have a lot of, spend a lot of their time actually in the weeds, getting stuck in the weeds, having to try to put out fires, trying to recover service levels, um, yeah, papering over the cracks basically to try and make things look good. Um, I th- and I, th- I think 
Yeah, I totally agree with you on the on the role of, of leaders needing to change to become yeah more like designers. Um, but I think the yeah it's it's a tough one. Where, where, where do you start as a leader if you want to go on this journey? And I think I would I would urge people to 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 try and uncover to to start at the at the the voice of the customer because I think you need you need the capacity in your in your head that headspace to step be able to step almost step away from the day to day operation um, to be able to reimagine your role and I think you've got to you've almost got to start by yeah the things that we began with which was reflect back what's happening uncover those those issues that are occurring so that the organization can take some shared shared accountability for trying to fix some of those things that aren't working and i think that's probably a part of that progression going from being a more traditional leader towards that designer type persona that you talked about um but yeah that was what was going on for me there thinking yeah where, where does a leader start today where but they're thinking start? this is great yeah. i love this idea but god i'm just stuck in the i'm stuck in the day today well, I mean, like Sean, I like I, I think about like if I'm thinking about examples, right? Um, the client that 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 we were that well that you were working with directly, um, and I'm sure I'll, I'll drop his name, won't, won't name organizations, but I think Jacob is on his way, right? And I think he was already moving in that mindset um, towards being a designer, um, a leader, a, a leader that. Um, that that is designing right and um and and i think how he did that if i think about that right using that rather than speaking abstract i think part of that the need or how he did that was probably it's actually setting that direction to his team of what he actually wants like what does he what role does he want to play right and what role would does he want the rest of the team to play and the things that came out was well, the things that he kept talking about is from what I heard from him was, was a lot about self-organization, you know, how can I, how can he free up his time, right. To not worry about what's happening on the day to day by giving more autonomy, being, giving them more control, uh, more uh, of a, of a vision of what needs to be achieved. You know, so, so I think there's that need of creating a self-organizing system, which to do that, actually, you need to be um, a, a designer to actually design a system in your contact center or in your, your team, whoever's listening here, to, to actually um, become a self-organizing uh, unit. Mm. So I think there's something something in that. And then, you yeah, know, you great. could then unpack, well, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. we, we, well, we'd say refer to episode 17 or 18. I think we, we had a we had an episode about self-organizing teams. We we? Did. Yeah, that's, another, that's a whole nother um, clubhouse session. But I think you're right, though. The concept of leverage um, comes up for me when you talk about that. As a leader, what, what capabilities in yourself are you trying to leverage? And, and it's not, oh, I'm really good at directing the work. And when there's a... An emergency i can jump in and you know solve it yep sure you're good at that that's yeah no 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 question that, that that's something that you've de you've developed a skill set at being able to do because you're doing it all the time but really what's the value to the organization to your people and customers is you want to be able to leverage that more strategic view that you have you know you're 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 talking about being a designer thinking about the users the bringing that vision to life that's what you want to leverage um, and what you want to be able to do is then what are you leveraging your people well that is the other things which is they're closer to the customer 
they're closer to the needs of the customer day to day in those times where you're firefighting or, you know, you need to recover service. And so help them leverage their skills to be able to do that by setting them up as self-organizing teams and, and helping them be really clear about their role in delivering the customer experience. So it's almost a shift in where people's responsibilities sit to, to, to be able to bring it all to life. So, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, we're definitely thinking along the same lines there. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially since, yeah, we're talking about how customer experience is beyond just the contact center. It's a whole organization in the CX space. It, it becomes crucial that, that leaders get out of thinking just, am I going to be able to answer calls? Because if that's, that's all you're thinking, you're never going to have the headspace to, to deliver on this, to work on those, that customer experience journey, you know, the customer journeys that they experience. And, and probably on that note, right, if there's any leaders here that are probably thinking, well, it's easy for you to say because you don't have to manage GOSS. You, know, you don't have to manage average speed of answer. You don't have to manage abandonment time. It's very easy to say that. Well, and we've seen it, right? Sean, like both of us, we've worked with teams that have seen this, right? That, that you can, don't think of it as separate things. I think that's probably the big thing to, to talk about, right? It's all a system. So if you can work on the customer experience and work on the customer experience journey, think about why your customers are calling and remove that need to call because of that pain point, because of that problem in that, in that customer experience journey, you remove the calls that come in, right? So would I prefer to have a call that we take in two minutes, you know, and then move on to the next call? Or would I rather just not have that call in the first place? I think the answer is very clear, right? Mm-hmm. If we remove the need to call in the first place, you actually already start solving these problems around average speed of answer, rate of service, right? And and it's actually a very it's a virtuous cycle. It is that if you keep doing that, right, you then free up more time to act on more of that customer pain point. And it so so then you just keep it just keeps feeding itself. It's not about oh that that means I can cut two people or three people from my staff mm-hmm. because now that we've freed up time, freed up calls. Actually, no, no. You take that capacity and you get them to work on more issues in, in, in the contact centers. Get yeah. them to take it out because it shouldn't, I know we're talking about leaders as designers, right? We're not talking about leaders as the voice of the customer. Your whole hub, your whole center could is the voice of the customer. Mm. So how can you get them, that all those voices leveraged mm. out to the rest of the organization? Yeah. And so so that's what, yeah, I, I think to, to that point, that's just what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. I, I think that that could be the starting point actually it's and because that's something that you could tangibly do tomorrow is get get a group of people in your contact center together 10 people who you know who've got a good voice who you could get in a room or or get on a on a zoom call or something and with a virtual whiteboard or even a real one just start saying okay what are all the reasons why someone has to call us that where they shouldn't have to and and uncover you, you, you mentioned the, the term failure demand. So this is anything that's a system, technology, process, or even a breakdown in, you know, it could be, could be human error, but something's gone wrong and caused the customer to have to call. And you very quickly come up with your top 10 reasons why people call you where they shouldn't have to. And you can quantify the impact of that with some calls, you know, even if it's just a bit of a finger in the air, just to estimate. And pretty soon you've got a very powerful message that ticks off a few of the things we've said already. Like then you've got a story you can tell the rest of the organization about what's going on with your customers. You can then start to inform what the changes need to be in order to fix those things. So you're already getting into that designer mindset. 
Um, and it's, again, you're clarifying people's role. Your frontline people start to see, wow, well, we're not just here to answer calls. We're actually here to help fix the system. And so they start coming into work with a completely different mindset on, on what it means to do a good job. Um, principles of self-organization come through there as well. But then that creates the capacity, as you said. You then have your team has more capacity because they're getting fewer of these crappy calls coming through. Your service levels improve, your customers are happier, and you've got more headspace as a leader because you're not putting out fires that are inevitably created by all that failure demand as well. So I think that's what I was that's where I, I would say the starting point is. Yeah, that's beautiful, Sean. Yeah. And and you know, this isn't this isn't just an idea. Like this is stuff that that literally works. Has proven that's worked. Yes, like we've, we've worked with teams that have done that, you know. And, and it's literally as simple as that. It, it's it's that simple. It's yeah. getting them in a room and tell me because I mean, guys, people, everyone <laughs> listening to this, right? Your people are answering several calls, right? Several with like some some like let's say 50 calls a day right just on average maybe like that's nearly a thousand calls a month that they're taking and i guarantee you there are going to be patterns that they will know they probably joke about it in their, in their lunch oh, they're talking about their it lunch the breaks. they're talking about oh here comes another customer that's talking about this problem that that stuff is golden right and mm. rather than hiding that on somewhere like why can we do something about it mm. and you can the thing is you can because they, I, I, I initially, and I say this because, and I, and I make a joke about this, right? And, and I, because I've been there, I've been that leader where I've been hesitant about, oh, but what if they say something that I don't like? What if we say something that someone else doesn't like? Or how do we really know that this information is true? I'm telling you that information is true. I, when we've done these exercises with teams, you then compare this with the actual data. It is, it is uncanny how similar it is. Mm. Like you are not off the off the track when you do that, yeah. right? Um, and and so don't get so caught up on data because you might go, oh, but we need to do all these things and then we need to deliver this new system to be able to find out why our customers are calling. Hello, your people are there. Like mm. make a start. You can make a start. And, and just even that one start or one thing that you do can just change culture, you know? Forget culture training. Forget like trying to tell people what good looks like and do it, right? This is an example of just small action and doing it. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be t- difficult to do. Like off the top 10 that Sean was talking about, pick one, pick yeah. one. And if you pick one, that's something that maybe is a bit more in control or maybe it's a team that, that you might know, you will see progress. And there is nothing more empowering than seeing that kind of progress happen, mm. especially for your contacts and the staff. Yeah. The bar is set so low for these for, for people in, in these frontline roles, you know, they often just think that I just come in to answer my call and then get out and that's mm-hmm. it, you know. Actually, all of a sudden, if you tell them, hey, we're listening to what you're saying and we're going to do something about it, that it, it's, it's, it's almost radical, which is really sad to say for a lot of contact centers. And, and I say that because of the contact centers I work with, it is radical for a lot of people. Yeah. But it, it's empowering and it, and it just means so much, I think, to a yeah, lot of people uh, who can do that. And I think that cuts the, to the to the real heart of what we're talking about here is that you're actually trying to create a culture, a different culture or a cultural change. I won't try and name it, but it's just a change in the culture that you have in your team. And you and this is this is how you start doing it. You you start with small things that create new norms. 
and essentially that's what what builds a culture these these things that become accepted as being normal are your culture and so if you start small and you just run these sessions maybe you do them every quarter because you'll come up with a pretty big list of stuff that will take you a while to get through but that's kind of how you start and it, it, it the ripple effect of that is, is huge because if you put the right change management and comms around it your people will see that there's a commitment to it and they will come in and they will have a different different mindset every day so yeah maybe that's that's a good place to to round things out Arnie which is yeah we've kind of come up with a a bit of a hit list here of how to how to start to create a, a different kind of culture within your your team whether it's a CX culture or a continuous improvement culture innovation culture yeah whatever you want to call it but um, I've got, I think, I've, I don't know if I've got a top 10, maybe there's seven or eight, but I might rattle them off yeah. and see if we yep. missed any. So we got, let's see, let's see. Starting with the vision, clarity of the vision. What, what, what's your customer experience or customer service vision? Reflecting back what's happening in the contact center to the rest of the organization. The failure demand is how you do that. Um, yeah, kind of, you need to, as a leader, a couple of things around leadership, actually think, think like you're a designer. So thinking about your users, what kind of experience do they want, both your customers and your and your employees. Uh, and then the other extension of that is you kind of need to think very boundaryless or siloless. So you're not just in this contact center and you can't impact or influence anything. You need to think of yourself as working across the whole organization to find the people that need to you need to work with to collaborate to solve these problems. Clarity of people's roles. So being really clear with your team on their role and that was the thing the reference to Jacob he did that really well with with his team really clear on what everyone's roles were and how that was in service of that vision and then starting to introduce some principles of self-organization with your team so you can create the capacity for you to leverage what you're really there to do and, and also leverage what they're there to do so I don't know I wasn't counting I think there was maybe seven or eight things there that's a pretty that's a pretty decent list Sean that's pretty good that's a <laughs> Take notes, everyone. There's, yeah. uh, there you go. That's if you want to, if you want to create a customer ex or CX culture in your organization through the contact center. There's a, there's a list. Go away, do them. Come it's back, and let us know. Get let us started, know how you yeah. went. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll write a blog on that anyway when we will push this out as a podcast. But we'll have a blog that goes along with it to yeah. summarize all those points. And I think we've got plenty of links too. We can link a bunch of those things to previous blogs we've done or previous case that. Um, uh, not case studies, previous podcasts as well. So there's a, a wealth of information there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully anyone listening, you know, on the pod or, you know, in the clubhouse here kind of gets a bit more of an understanding of, you know, the intersections of mm -hmm. CX and, and customer, uh, you know, customer uh, contact, uh, contact center. Couldn't say that. Um, that it's, it, yeah, they're not, they work so alongside each other. Mm. Um and you know, there's nothing to be afraid of or feel like anyone is 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 separate, separate from each other, that it's doing the same thing in, in separate spaces. I think it's all trying to achieve the same goal ultimately. Um and if if I were thinking about the state of play at the moment, I, I think there is a need for contact centers to almost look at customer experience in that way and and move. I mean, still like it should just be my sense is customer experience from contact centers is, is still viewed from a one-to-one -one interaction. How are my staff delivering a great customer experience? It's important. Absolutely. I think, but that should be a given now. Yeah. 
I think contact centers should be really on the same page of thinking about customer experience, thinking about CX in its totality, totality, um, and, and understand its role to play in that entire customer experience. Yeah. Um, hmm. You touched on something there that's always been really interesting to me is that trying to focus on the individual experience being provided by one frontline agent and that kind of obsession that we have with doing call monitoring and listening to calls and giving people feedback. But I'll throw in a challenge to anyone. Do a, do a shared listening session with your leaders and split the group in two. One half pays attention to the experience, the, the consultant's behaviour, and the other is listening out for what is going on in the system and the processes that is actually causing that, that interaction to go the way that it's going. And, and I, I, I would say 90% of the time, that poor person's trying to solve a problem that they haven't created that's been caused somewhere else. <laughs> and, and you'll find people want to give that person loads of feedback, but just fix the thing that caused the, th- the issue in the first place. And that poor person can provide a brilliant experience because they're not having to try and whistle and walk and breathe underwater at the same time. It's, it's actually quite, um, quite interesting when you, when you start to listen for different things. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a really cool, that's a cool way mm. to look at it, Sean. No, I love that. Love that. Um, and look, the, the only thing I, I would just leave us with as well or to think about is like, let's, you know, talking about core monitoring, right? And, and, and trying to make sure this obsession of like your individuals to giving great customer experience, like let your customers tell you that. Like this shouldn't be that hard anymore to get you know, customer satisfaction surveys out there and your customers will tell you, like you get something out there built in your system, they'll tell you, you know, and you're, it's, I mean, not all of them will tell you, but they'll tell you, you'll get a good, you'll get a good decent amount of people telling you, all you need to do is ask and let your customers tell you how those calls went. <laughs> Don't try to dissect and work out how that call went. Ask the customer and they'll tell you how that went. And if, if, and the customers might tell you that person didn't do a really good job and you start seeing a pattern where you have a conversation with them and you try to sort it out. But to, to your point, Sean, absolutely. Like, let's, let's fix those core problems so they don't have to have those conversations. Yeah. And they're really demoralizing conversations as well, uh, right? Like how, like, how many times does a, a frontline staff have to keep saying the same thing of, yes, we're aware of this problem. Um, yeah, oh, I'm, you know, and the customers say, how can you be doing that? And, they'll prob- and they're probably thinking, I've spoken about 20 customers in the past two hours, yeah. maybe exaggeration, yeah. about the same problem. You know, you're nothing special. But actually, you are that special. Yeah, the customer yeah. is that special and the organization thinks that. But we, And if they do, then they should be fixing the problem, not so yeah. much the individual itself. So. Agreed. Well, let, let's wrap things up, Arnie, because I, I, I have to fly. But fly? Where are you going? Fly. We're in lockdowns, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going? Metaphorically. I'm just going to fly in my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we are in lockdowns. Yeah. And for anyone else facing lockdowns, um, you know, we send, send our love and yeah. best wishes or anyone, you know, facing you know, difficulties during COVID. We, we, yeah, we send, yeah, we send our love from the Agile Contact Center. But um, to all our Clubhouse guests, just want to just say, um, you know, thank you for, for staying along and listening to us. Um, especially Jason. I see you, Jason. You've stayed through the whole thing. So <laughs> definitely, definitely appreciate you. And we'd love to have a chat with you afterwards get your thoughts on 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 things as well um but that's um yeah this was really great sean yeah this was cool let's do it again soon all right all right (laughs) i'll let you fly all right thanks everyone see ya bye